Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. All right, lacrosse fans, you heard the man. It's time once again for Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified, right here on LAX All-Stars where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back. Uh, it's Jake Elliott. It's Evan Scheminar with you. And four playoff games in the books as we welcome you here on a Tuesday afternoon. A little bit of a late release here today because we wanted to make sure we got last night's action in before we recorded today. And uh, it takes time. You got to edit, you got to book guests, you got to do the interviews, you got to do all that sort of stuff, and then you got to get it posted up on the internet. I don't know how to do that part of things. So, uh, our friends at Lax All Stars take care of that. But we got you, we're out there, and hope you enjoy the podcast. And we got a good one coming up for you. Uh, joining us this week will be the head coach and general manager of the Colorado Mammoth, who were victorious this weekend. One Pat Coyle, the Hall of Famer, will join us here in about uh, 15 to 20 minutes time. And then from the Lacrosse Flash fame, it's our boy Tyson Gick. He will be on the program. No, excuse me, Tyson Gick. No, that's not right either. It's Tyson <laughs> Geik, he is flourishing with the lacrosse flash. We will have him on the podcast. Evan, welcome back. Let's get you in here. Uh, what a weekend of playoff National Lacrosse League action. It never disappoints, but uh, another good one here. <laughs> well, okay, it disappoints for you and I, but for the lacrosse world, uh, that Friday night game, I don't think disappointed anyone just how crazy it was. Uh, but, yeah, always expect the unexpected, and we're probably dealing with the biggest playoff upset in at least five years, maybe as far as 20 years yeah. um, that happened this weekend. Well, let's, uh, let's get into this here. Um, well, actually the first thing I want to, I want to talk about is no, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's get into who we had presented by Stampede Tack and Western where your complete source for boots, hats, belts, jeans, and anything country, and uh, if you've been under a rock, well, get out from under it and, and get on social media. You can check out my timeline on Instagram or Twitter or even Facebook. Lacrosse All-Stars has put it out. Stampede Tack has put it It's It's really pretty much just taken over the internet. Uh, some pictures out there circulating, Evan. Of me and my Western wear out there at Stampede Tech. Uh, big thanks to Kevin Michael Winkler and uh, the gang there out at Stampede Tech for dressing me up and, and taking some. These things went over pretty well here, Evan. <laughs> I don't know, but like I didn't well, know what I, kind of reaction I was going to get, but people really seemed to enjoy them. I was hoping they had a bull in the back that you could they could have. Made you ride for eight seconds, see mm. if you could stay on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I might not be doing this podcast today if if they put me on the back of a bull for eight seconds. So I'm kind of glad they didn't. Uh, but get out there, enjoy those pictures. Uh, congratulations once again to you for for making me have to do that. Uh, located out there in Cloverdale, find them online at stampede.ca. Shopping online is still shopping local. Um, there was a Friday night game, there was a Saturday night game, and there was two Monday night games 
Uh, let's get into the Friday one. It was Colorado at Saskatchewan, the four seed up against the one seed. Saskatchewan 3-0 and against the Mammoth uh, in the regular season, but uh, this one went the other way. Mammoth with the big-time upset here, Evan, 11-10, the final in overtime on the strength of a 6-3 fourth quarter for Colorado, and I don't know if I've ever seen the rush kind of give up a six-pack in a game like that, but give Colorado some credit here. Like, I... I, I went back and I watched this game, and I want to touch on this in a minute here, but let's let's break down the game here for a second first. Like, Dylan Ward, to me, was the best player on the floor. Um, Mark Matthews, Ben McIntosh each put up four points, but I don't know if that was enough out of them, and, and they didn't really get much of a supporting cast around them. Um, but you got to give Colorado some credit here, and, 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 and why I say that is I think, Pat Coyle, who we're going to talk to, made some real depth coaching adjustments here. His defense really spread, or the offense really spread out the Saskatchewan defense. They they continually put a guy behind the net, which kind of threw things off a little bit. And for me, like the refs had their whistles in their pockets, and Colorado was really getting into guys with picks. And they just kind of seemed to want it a little bit more and played a little bit harder. And they clawed this game out. Uh, it looked like it was it was kind of over and done. You got that weird power outage. Like, <laughs> this was a crazy game. Yeah, everything had to go perfect for Colorado to win this one, and it did. Uh, you know, what can you say? At 7-4, you thought Colorado was done because... You know, even at 8-5, you thought they were done. How are they going to score three goals when – because they went – what was it? At one stage, they went – It was almost half a game. under 28 minutes without a goal. I think they went 35 or 36 with just one. So you thought it was over. The blackout happens, and as much as the rush players don't want to say it affected them, it affected them. Yeah. You know, there's there's this delay to start the fourth quarter – then they finally get power back on, and then the shot clocks aren't working right away. The scoreboard isn't working right away. And then, you know, uh, McLaughlin gets a goal, which it's a close to the crease call, and it's something the rush would want to see. And they delayed the game another four or five minutes, trying to see if they could get a replay, which BR wasn't up at that time. So this took the rush's momentum away. The the offensive formation, though, I have to say, you know, good on Pat Coyle because it's not too often Derek Keenan gets outcoached on a game. He did here. And the reason I say that is, is that by putting that guy behind the net, it forced the rush to take one of their defenders and put him on the post because we've seen way too many dunk goals this year to know what that guy can do. And then Colorado took advantage of the fact that they were faster than the rush defense. They could get the one-on-one. The slide was a mile away, and they just beat them you know, to, to the net. Uh, and, of course, then there was the controversial goal that tied this up. And there's a lot of people out there saying this is not a goal. I've, I looked at it. I looked at it on the screen. I mean, Gardonio looked at it on the screen. Uh, you know, or, or looked at the replay, and what happens is, is that this ball is underneath. 
So Macintosh is allowed to go underneath to scoop that ball back. It then pops up, and Macintosh puts his stick over top of Ward's stick, and he's allowed to do that when the ball's in the air. And that's when he gets it, and that's why this is a legal goal. I know this confuses a lot of people as to why this wasn't goaltender interference, but by the finite details of the rule book, he was okay. Now, of course, then we get to overtime. Mike Messenger oh, had man. that off like early. I thought it was done. Well, I, Evan, I, I, the photographer for the Saskatchewan Rush, Terry, after the game, and he goes, you want to see a picture of it? And I said, sure. And it, it literally – it was in a seven hole, so it was pinned between his midsection and his elbow, but it was like literally halfway through his body, and you could just like he zoomed in on the ball, and it was literally it was inches from from squeaking through there, and and man, would the roof have come off that place if Messenger buries that off the opening draw in overtime? But you're right, I I think that, uh, and we don't want to spend too much time here on on just one game, but. The power outage definitely had a, an effect on that, and you know, for for people that don't know, the rush stayed at a different hotel um, that weekend. The Mammoth actually came in a day early; they came in on the Wednesday for that. The rush didn't practice on Thursday for whatever reason. Um, there was a Thomas Rhett concert going on, I believe, there, so things were a little different uh, that weekend there in Saskatchewan. And I think a big culmination of it all uh, kind of played into this one, but. I'm not taking anything away here from the Mammoth because I think they they earned that victory. And and part of what I wanted to talk about is, is I mentioned it, their picks. And they were driving guys and, like, hammering guys in the back and on the hips. And, knock, and the refs weren't calling anything. And, and I mentioned it a few times on the broadcast to the point where I had somebody kind of come at me on Twitter and said, you know what, like, we all – Love you, Jake, and we love lacrosse classified, but get off the referees because you're sounding like a homer. And I wanted to go back and listen to it because that's something I never really want to do is sound like a homer. And just to kind of give people a bit of context here, yes, I'm a a pretty passionate guy, Evan. I'm a pretty emotional guy that gets invested uh, in the team's that I work for. There's no question about that, but being a homer is something I never want to be, be labeled. But, you know, so I went back and I listened to it and, you know, I think there was probably some truth to what this fan had to say, but I wanted to kind of put it in context. It wasn't so much that I was upset with the refereeing that they weren't calling the moving picks. I was more frustrated with the rush that they didn't pick up on kind of the feel of the game, what the referees were calling and not calling, because Colorado was getting away with so many moving picks and so many kind of off-ball things, and the rush weren't doing the same thing. So I was kind of like, hey, like they're not calling it. Why aren't you guys doing it too? That was kind of the direction I was trying to go in, and, and if it came across in a different way, that that's on me. But, you know, but, listening oh, – sorry, Evan, but just listening to the last couple of calls over the, the last couple of days, it's just – it's really human nature for for announcers to get behind their home team, and and it's not an intentional thing. And you know, uh, I heard it in San Diego, I heard it in Georgia, kind of th- those guys complaining that they weren't getting calls. I've heard it in Colorado with Teddy Jenner, who gets ultra excited when the Mammoth score, and and maybe not so much when the opponent scores. Granted, he's on on television there in Denver, but it's just what I'm trying to say is. It's not something that broadcasters do intentionally. It's really just human nature, and it's it's just because we care about the teams that we're working for. 
Yeah, but the, the key is they were inconsistent to where they the standard they set all season. And actually, if you look at that San Diego game, the number of penalties they called in that opening half wasn't consistent with what they called. And it was the same crew that they called in Saskatchewan. So, I mean, that that took away from it. And one thing I got to bring up, too, is just, you know, there was some questions about a tweet I put out. Um, the player in question here was Jeremy Thompson. He's going into free agency, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah. Yeah, he had a horrible game, and it was a defensive liability out there. There was one case where it was a two-on-three. He's responsible for Ryan Lee, and he joins the double team on the ball carrier and leaves Lee wide open right behind all three of them. Yeah. And it was a really, really poor performance out of him. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I've, I've seen Jeremy Thompson play a lot of good lacrosse games, and unfortunately Friday night, just it wasn't one of them, and I'm not. I'm not about to hand the loss on on one guy. And and again, I'm not taking anything away from Colorado, but I think you're right. I think the inconsistency of what was being called all regular season to all of a sudden let's put the whistles away. And and again, give Colorado credit; they weren't getting called on it, so they kept doing it. And I just don't think the rush ever made that adjustment to the way that the referees were calling that game so uh with all that being said hopefully that sheds a little more light on on where broadcasters are coming from when when they're calling games it's just it's human nature uh let's move along saturday i didn't sleep at all friday night so i actually came home on saturday and crashed hard i didn't wake up until about midway through the second quarter of the new england buffalo game so you're gonna have to kind of help me out here a little bit evan i know it was seven three at halftime and Black Wolves only managed uh, six goals. Jordan Durston with maybe the play of the year in this game, making an unbelievable stop, and his buddy Josh Byrne helps out on the back half of this. Matt Vince goes Matt Vince once again, stopping 46 of 52. Dane Smith with seven points. For me, the biggest uh, thing in this game is Buffalo went five for nine on the power play. They win this one rather easily, Evan, 13 to six. Yeah, and you look back to that Durston play and just how demoralizing was it for the Black Holes? They, they were down 4-1, but at that point, they were actually out shooting Buffalo, and Vince was just on a different planet in that game. He was he started the game 23 for 24 on saves. <laughs> just how dominant he was. And eventually, by the end of the night, what was he? He was uh, 48 for 54. <laughs> you can't get a better performance of that. That's about point nine. Yeah, I had forty six out of fifty two. Like I had forty six out of fifty two. But you know, apples apples and oranges here. I, yeah. I really, it was the four four one in the first quarter, four one in the, in the fourth quarter, and and that kind of spelt the doom. The Blackwells just really didn't get any production. And and like, listen. Jordan Durst in, in this save, if you haven't seen it, go check out uh, the Twitter feed on, on you know Lacrosse Flash or NLL or Buffalo, wh- whoever's got it. Uh, it's pretty incredible because he like he goes back and like he he goes for the first fake, but he doesn't like totally commit. Like you could tell that Jordan Durston has played his fair share of some backyard lacrosse, 
And he comes up with it like he makes the, the save, like he makes the save. And it was a decent shot from Fournier, who probably should have pulled the trigger a little bit earlier on the run when he had a, a better chance. But it's not like he kind of just like muffined it in there. Like he put on a couple of fakes and looked for the top corner and Durston just made an unbelievable play uh, to keep that one out. And, and something like that, yeah, it will be a little demoralizing for you. So... Uh, Bandits, as expected, move on. We both had Saskatchewan. We both had Buffalo. So we are one and one after two games here, Evan, on who we had. Next up, it was Toronto in Georgia. And somewhere that Toronto, the last time they played there, had only scored five goals. You picked Georgia in this game. I picked Toronto in this game. And the reason I picked Toronto in this game, for the most part, Evan, is because of Mike Poulin. And for one, I didn't know if Poulin was going to play. Number two, I didn't know if Poulin, if he did play, how healthy he was going to be. And number three, even if he was healthy and played, how sharp was he going to be? Because we saw what happened with Evan Kirk in Calgary after coming off a month-long injury, and he got lit up. And I wasn't totally all in on Mike Poulin. And that turned out to be the case. Poulin, I'm sorry, I, I like Mikey Poulin as a goaltender a lot, but not in this game. He was downright awful. Um, I'm going to say it, and it it cost them the game. He did, uh, to an extent. And now, there's a couple goals in the first quarter where, like, Tom Schreiber takes oh, man. this nasty, underhanded shot that somehow bounces like perfectly into the top corner. And there's not a goaltender in the NLL that'll stop that. Because you're go- when he's going down low, you're going low just to, to block the bottom half of the net. Then there was another one from Dan Craig. Craig. I think Dan Craig, that was the same thing, right? That came from the boards. But, yeah. But the thing was, was that there were at least four or five goals where Poulin, and they got him five hole, and he got like a piece of the stick on yeah. it and it trickles behind there was one that, that that was an intended pass that ended up in the yeah. back of the goal yeah so yeah it would definitely was the difference i mean georgia tried to come back in this one well they did i mean um, they they but, put a scare into toronto here we're kind of sitting pretty up about five mm-hmm. with like four minutes to go 16 14 the final in this one courtesy of a couple empty netters but like this got way closer than it ever should have. Um, but over- the other thing with this game, i got to say, they they had three reviews back to yeah. back to back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad they, you brought this up. They looked, at the, they looked at these way too long. Like the first, the second one, which was the one that uh, Georgia challenged uh, on a Toronto goal, it was obvious to us within about 30 seconds that Sorensen's glove is on the on the turf long before the ball goes in. Yeah. And they looked at it for four minutes, and it's like, what's going on? Then they have another challenge soon after that on a goal, and yeah, it's close, but five minutes of review? Yeah. Like, so, so it, here's... Took, it took almost an hour 20 to play the opening half yeah. with all the delays they had going on. Yeah, so here's the thing, like, and, I, and I've been kind of on the soapbox a little bit, on this since I want to say about 2016. I love that how the challenge is, is in place. I would almost like to see like a three challenge max. So even if you get two challenges, right, that's it. Like you, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you pick your spots, 
you bet two successful challenges, you get one more, but that is it. And and the other thing is is to put a time limit on how long the official can review it. And I know different different arenas have different angles and different production guys, and some guys are better at slowing the replays down and doing it frame by frame. And there in Georgia, they were a camera short, so they only had one corner camera in one end, and the guy kind of rotated back and forth instead of having a corner guy in both corners, which was a bit of an issue there. But I really think they need to limit the replay time to like two minutes, two and a half minutes. If you can't figure out the call, then you go with the call that you made originally. And and yeah, you want to get it right. But lacrosse is such a game of momentum that when you're taking this amount of time to make a call, it just sucks the life out of a game. And they need to clean that up. So two things I'd really like to see them address in the offseason is the coincidental minors and the manpower. Like if there's offsetting penalties, go four on four, play four on four, three on three, whatever the case is. Um, and really have a look at how long you're allowing your officials to review their play. I want to get this quick stat in Brad Cree, nine or Toronto, excuse me, nine for 33 overall in the faceoff dot there against Georgia. It almost ended up costing them late in that game, but for your for you uh faceoffs don't matter pundits out there. Toronto still wins this one after going nine for thirty three in the faceoff dot. Uh, Adam Jones with a big night nine points for that one as he played on a Monday. Thankfully I guess it's a week off school week in Toronto and that's why Adam Jones was available on a Friday night. Won't be an issue this weekend uh, as we will touch on that a little bit later one more game to go here before we get to gm and head coach pat coyle uh calgary at san diego the winner of this one will host colorado and the two west games were probably the two best games evan this was a real back and forth affair san diego had it in their grasps but a 4-1 fourth quarter here for calgary they go four for six on the power play dixon and doby with seven points each they squeak out a win here down at Pachanga, 12-11 as the Roughnecks move on. Yeah, uh, and it was a little surprising because San Diego normally does poorly in the third and great in the fourth, and they happen to flip the script on this one. Big problem for San Diego in the opening half. They took two majors. They are taking penalties. They're, they played almost half of that opening half man down, and Calgary got four. So... That uh, that really hurt them quite a bit, but here's the thing: in, that, um, in their in their planning, because what was it? Three times straight, three consecutive shifts. Curtis Dixon's coming off the bench, and nobody touched him, and he's got an open look right at the net. And he, you know, there's some guys that you you're not going to pick up, but when he's on the floor, he's the first guy you're picking up. So how that happened, I don't know. Um, but Calgary, you know, they got the win. They got through it. They were outshot badly. But they're still going to be the favorite in the West Final. So, I, I mean, I'm not overly concerned with what happened here. You know, they, they won and they advanced, and that's as simple as it was. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the bye week hurt Calgary a little bit. They were a little rusty to start that game. But uh, I think at the end of it, it was evident that they had the bye week and a little more gas left in the tank 
to get the job done. And I and I really think San Diego just ran out of gas a little bit in that fourth quarter, and and understandably so. Um, you know, in a tough sixty minute battle like that. But you know, for me right now, Calgary. They didn't play their best. They got past San Diego. Now they're going to go home in front of their home crowd and take on Colorado. And I think it's going to be a good game, but I really think uh, Calgary's got the inside track to the finals here uh, for the West anyway with uh, Saskatchewan out of the way. Um, So, Evan, uh, in our playoff matchup here in uh, who we got, I went, where did I go? I went three and one. You went three and one. I went two and two. As, so somebody's as, in the lead know, the after quarter, the first week. I was going to go. I was thinking it was going to go one and three about halfway through the third quarter, and that's San Diego Calgary. Yeah, they they had it. Uh, San Diego was right there, and they just couldn't kind of get that next goal that they needed. But uh, so with that being said, I'm three and one. You were two and two. That means I did better than you. So I'm in the lead here, uh, heading into. This weekend's games, there's two of them, and we will discuss a little later in the podcast. But now we got to get to break. We got the head coach and the general manager of the Colorado Mammoth on the other side. You got it locked right here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Garrett Billings of the San Diego Seals and the Langley Thunder. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, throwing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax Ulsters Podcast Network. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions, does Sean Ashworth and the gang there at Associated Labels and Packaging. You can find them online at associated-labels.com or at Associated LP, as in labels and packaging. Brand new warehouse coming up for those guys. Can't wait to get down there. And check them out. Make sure you do the same. Now joining us here on Lacrosse Classified is the head coach and general manager of the Colorado Mammoth, who were victorious uh, on Friday in Saskatoon in overtime, 11-10, the final on that one, Pat Coyle. That one had to feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, super exciting. Um, we haven't won in Saskatchewan before, so just just that part was great. And then uh, to get a chance to, you know, have an opportunity to play for the Western Finals is uh, pretty exciting. Take us through the game plan here because most of the night you're keeping a guy at X behind the net. And it seemed to me that you were basically just stretching out the rush defense, not allowing them to slide and hoping your guys were just basically going to outrun them all night. Um, yeah, we sort of noticed the game we played them and you know some of the games before that when we put a guy behind the net one of their defenders came with us and their defense is such uh like a monster when it gets going that you know especially on the slide from the three-man side to the two-man so if we we figured if we could eliminate that slide by putting the guy behind the net 
it just it it was a better opportunity. It just gave more time and space to our guys on the O end. Yeah, and I, and I really thought your two man game was super effective that game. I don't know how many goals you got off the two man game, but it seemed to be a number of them. And the other thing I noticed, Pat, and I don't want to <laughs> give away all your your strategies here, but I I made the comment on the broadcast. I don't know if you've rewatched the game yet or not, but you guys were getting into guys on picks a lot, and and it's not like I and I don't begrudge you for it because the referees weren't calling it. Was that something that you guys were aware of that? Hey, like we're we're getting away with this. Let's keep doing it. Or was it a focus from the beginning of the game that you really wanted to set hard picks on guys all game long? No, no. Honestly, I, I did listen to your game too, and and I know it's I don't, it's hard to see it, but we actually are. I think Saskatchewan does a better, like a different job of how they pick. They're they're really smart pickers in in uh, how they don't they tend to do it with their shoulders and their hips so they're cheating it does, but it doesn't not, look like they're cheating yeah and nrd was getting blown up on picks and we saw that we weren't getting called so or they weren't calling that so we actually said let's go pick and see see how far we can push this and you know there was a couple i think that they could have called i know like one one comes to mind with chris wardle but Literally, like the second before he said that picked, Eli got high sticked in the head. So I think they just sort of they didn't call both. Um, I don't know. I I, I think it depends on what team you're cheering yeah, for. That yeah. how how the refs are. So I think that's fair. And and I yeah. kind of address that off the top, Pat. Like it's it's human nature to to get invested and and care about the team that you're working for. And maybe I was looking through green colored goggles a little bit. And then that one, I think that's that's a fair comment. You mentioned Eli McLaughlin, and he hadn't played in a couple of weeks. He gets back into the lineup, and and he puts up five points respectively. He scored some big goals in that game. But you mentioned in in your your sideline interview that. You know, Eli does a lot of things out there for you, and and one of them is getting space for other guys because of the the attention that he attracts. For sure, yeah. I mean, defenses were able to sit off our left side a bit, especially when we had, you know, a def- basically a defender playing offense up there for a couple games. Um, so to have, arguably, not arguably, back in the lineup, it. it it just, you know, it's an automatic thing that it's going to give space to to the other guys. A bit of an unusual start to the fourth quarter, a blackout that delayed the game above seven minutes. You get you get a goal, then of course, and then the, there's a replay issues which stopped the game another five minutes. How much of an effect did that have in the game in the end? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I know when when the blackout came, we had just scored and uh, I felt like we were starting to roll there. I know it was right at the beginning of the fourth, but we sort of had a, you know, we came together in the, after the third quarter and, and just reminded ourselves like what we're here for. And I felt like we responded really well by going and scoring right away in the fourth. So I know some people feel like that, that benefited us, but I felt like it actually, it slowed us down there for a sec, but I don't know. It's again, it, we were like, I wanted to get going. I wanted us to go and, 
and the the replay stuff was like really frustrating. So I don't I don't feel like it benefited us in any way. Yeah, that have you ever seen anything like that, Pat? Like that was no. really weird. No, no, and I understand like replay replays now are such a big part of our game that you know the ref said we have to have replays and i was like well what did we do before this <laughs> you know like there was a point where we didn't have replays no, so. there was there was a point where we used wooden sticks and no face masks too pat that's right that's right but i don't know if we'd need to go back that far but i just you know like <laughs> yeah are, no you know I hear we you. rely so much on technology that and it was the same for both teams at, at the end yeah of the day. for sure yeah for sure uh, speaking with head coach and general manager here, Pat Coyle on lacrosse classified, um, Calgary Roughnecks, uh, got it done last night against San Diego. And now you make you make your way to Calgary. I mean, it's not a, not an easy road, uh, to hoe here, Pat going through Saskatchewan and now, now Calgary. But, uh, what are you, what are you expecting heading, heading to the Saddledome on Friday night? Uh, I, I know they're going to be ready to play, um, yeah, it's going to be it's it's a tough arena to play in. They get really good crowds, really good fans, not just the crowds, they're yeah. they're good fans yeah. and uh makes it harder to play there, but you know, it, the well, way we're looking at it, it's we have one game, one game opportunity to be in the NLL finals and um well, maybe, I know any any guy in our lineup would take that chance any day. Yeah, maybe let me ask you ask you this. Uh, I know you guys went into to Saskatoon on the Wednesday for a Friday game, and I think that turned out to be real beneficial for you and your guys. With Calgary playing on a Monday night in San Diego, and now has to make the quick turnaround to go play at home on a Friday. Do you guys have a plan in place? Are you going to go into Calgary early? Do you think you can take advantage? of the short week here for the Roughnecks? Again, I don't know. I, you know, some people would say that they have an advantage because they're playing so quickly that, you know, I actually think like a, for lacrosse players, it's better to play like every three games or every three days. Yeah. So part of me thinks they have the advantage because they, they were the most recent guys to be playing at such a high level. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know. We're for sure we have a plan in place, but I it I you know I I really try not to get into who has an advantage with that stuff. Like we just we just need to be in like control of what we can control, and the rest. What's next, just, if you it's will? Gonna, it's gonna yeah, that's right. What's next? Real simple question, maybe with a complicated answer, but considering the save he made in the opening seconds of overtime, how good is Dylan Ward? he's good that is a it's a simple answer he's really good um yeah for sure there like i you know i what i said to him after the game is that um over the past few years that i've been a part of the mammoth that he's he's put in some of the best games i've seen him play in saskatchewan and we were never able to win there even though he gave us a chance to win so uh i felt you know, really happy for him that the guys actually, you know, put the ball in the net for him this time because he's deserved better there before. And, uh, like he always gives us a chance to win. And, and um, he made a save on, on Ben McIntosh there yeah, on the, on the power play. That was unreal. So, 
yeah, he, he's he's such a steady goalie. And, so, he, and he's yeah. one of those guys, Pat, that really, like he's solid all the time, like you mentioned, but he's really one of those guys that seems to, the bigger the game, the better he plays. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, again, uh, he's not our concern. You know, it's just nice. So our game plan, we you know, we're game plan the offense, we game plan the defense, and maybe we talk to Wardle very you know, just be aware of this or that, but very little of us going in this weekend is talking about Dylan and what he needs to do because Dylan's going to be Dylan for sure. Pat Coyle with us here on the Cross Classified, and I know you're a busy man, Pat, so I'm going to ask you one more question before I let you go, and, and we'll have you back on to talk about your junior adnecks uh, who look to defend the Minto Cup, but I want to, I just, first off, I want to send my congratulations to you for, for making Team Canada's coaching staff. I think that's a, a well-deserved honor and, and a nice feather in your cap, and, and just, you know, how excited are you for September to come and, and put on the Maple Leaf as a coach? Uh, really excited. Uh, you know, it's really nice to have played for team Canada a few times, like box and field. And now to actually be able to sort of come full circle and, and coach there. But, you know, selfishly, I'm just, I'm just looking to get around that level of players and, and the other coaches and just steal as much stuff as I possibly can for <laughs> that's for really what I coaches coach. do right like that's how you become a better <laughs> I, I coach so. you steal you steal stuff from other guys and it's not really that's stealing right. like it's common knowledge that coaches take things from other coaches and make it their own yeah yeah I'm and what a what a group I get to coach with there so I uh, I'm really you know I I'm confident in what I can bring but I know I'll be leaving there a better coach because of who's going to be around me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Pat, uh, congratulations on the big first-round win. Best of luck on the second-round win. We'll all be watching Friday night from Calgary. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That was Pat Coyle. He is the head coach and general manager of the Colorado Mammoth and kind of got thrust into that general manager's position, Evan, with uh, Dan Carey moving to, to the Nighthawks franchise kind of right as the season was beginning. And that's not an easy thing to do. Never mind be a head coach, but to be a head coach and first-time general manager, that's a lot on, on one guy's plate for a season. And it's going to get even more difficult in the coming months with the expansion draft. He's got one heck of a defense. He's got a uh, young offense that's starting to, you know, they're flourishing right now. Uh, you know, which 11 are you going to, you know, which ones are you going to protect? And you're going to lose a couple of good guys on that roster. Yeah, there's some young, young talent. Uh, somebody's going to be snapped up, no question about it. Uh, quick break here on Lacrosse Classified and on the other side. Big team guy, it's Tyson Geik from the Lacrosse Flash right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. Hey, it's Corey Small of the Buffalo Bandits and Peterborough Lakers. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time is what we do here at LAS. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer, and now joined by maybe the biggest team guy out there. It's Lacrosse Flashes, Tyson Geig. Tice, thanks for coming back. Absolutely, fellas, anytime, and thank you for having me as always. Oh, my pleasure. I really appreciate you sending me that picture to post up on, on Instagram for our uh, promotion of this week's show, too, by the way. Uh, I, I, I gotta I, Let's get into this here. First off, you switch from an iPhone to a Samsung. Second of all, you think In-N-Out is overrated. Uh, third of all... What's with the the shirtless picks? I know you got a fantastic physique here, Tyson, but I literally I was searching the internet high and low and could not find a suitable picture with a shirt on. What's going on there? All right, first off, don't put that on me. You went digging for the topless <laughs> photo. You found it. Not that they're hard to find. Not that they're hard to find. But listen, you don't go getting tattoos and put them on a body and then wear sweaters all the time, right? So why would you go to the gym and you know look good and then not? Sure. I don't know. Sure. sure. It just so happens that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up just at, jealous. I'm up at cottages. Is. I'm up at cottages. I'm going for hikes. The tarps off. It's just you know, and maybe maybe a little bit of an allergy to cotton. No, no Jersey Devils. No Jersey Devils. But, but <laughs> yeah, I got, got drafted years ago. <laughs> but then we got to ask because I mean, talking of the tattoos, you got one for losing a bet in San Diego, and you said you just lost another bet. So you got to tell us what the heck tattoo did you get in the end? Well, that was that was a joke, Ev. It was kind of a shot at uh, at uh, the rush there because of the tough loss. I I was betting on the rush to win that one, but no, the uh, the tattoo was a regularly scheduled one. It had nothing to do with the bet. This most recent one, at least. Uh, speaking with Tyson Geig, why don't we why don't we talk about this this past weekend? Uh, what what game jumped off the page for you out of the four? Oh, uh, I think it would be easy to say the rush and the Colorado Mammoth. That was one of the most exciting games of the entire season and it was just it was so unexpected i mean it was one of the biggest upsets since what we talked about this ev since 2015 at, at least 2014 is where i go back to when calgary beat the 16 and 2 rush correct yeah so it was such a big upset no one really saw that one coming and it was because of performances like ryan lee's in his first career playoff game, he gets three goals, three assists, and he was absolutely fantastic. Dylan Ward was playing out of his mind, a save percentage of 815. Anytime a save percentage in the NLL is above 800, you're pretty impressed. But that was a performance for the ages from Dylan Ward. And this was just so big for the Colorado Mammoths, who are so young, and they have very impressionable players, who really stepped up to the plate in some of their first career NLL playoff games. I was just impressed with this team. And then you get a guy like Joey Capito going down and scoring that overtime winner. It was, it was so exciting. I, I couldn't believe it. Like my, my heart was racing and I, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight. I, I, I really could care last two wins, but just both sides. I, it, it was, it was nuts. Well, I mean, they've had to play the perfect game plan to make this happen. But I guess the question is, now they got to go to Calgary where their record is not spectacular against Calgary in the playoffs. So they got what it takes to get to the final. Well, it wasn't very spectacular against the – they said they had never beaten the Rush in Saskatchewan. Or was it Saskatchewan, period? They had never won in Saskatoon. 
Yes. So they, that would make sense. Yeah. So they 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 clips that. I mean, there's nothing for them to believe that they can't do this after what they did a week ago, right? Nothing. I think that they proved that literally anything can happen, especially in a one game elimination. You have a bit of a cushion in the finals. You can have an off night. Maybe it's not a great time to have an off night, but you can. This is one game. If, if one player doesn't come to play or a goaltender is not prepared and ready to go, I think maybe we saw a little bit of that in the Toronto Rock Georgia Swarm game. You're out. You don't have a chance at, at redemption. So if the Colorado Mammoth play like they did against the Saskatchewan Rush, anything is possible. I mean, you hold a guy like Mark Matthews to one goal and three assists. Can they shut down players like Doby and Dixon who are both pretty terrific against the San Diego Seals yeah. just last night, four goals, three assists for Dixon, three and four for Doby. Um, I think defense is going to be really important for the Mammoth. And if they get the offensive output from their young, budding, flourishing superstars, I think <laughs> they have a shot. Yeah. I, well, with all that said, Tyson, um, you know, that Buffalo-New England game kind of pretty much goes according to script. I think it was going to be Buffalo from the get-go, and they and they win in pretty convincing fashion. But something that the NLL has never really done or had before, and that's Monday Night Lacrosse, and they roll it out in the playoffs, and they roll it out with a doubleheader. What what was your takeaway from, from a little Monday Night Lacrosse? I, I quite enjoyed it. As a spectator from home, I think it's great. I did not hate my Monday night one bit. You know, going home and being able to take in a game on a weeknight is it's pretty great. It's something we're not used to, and I think we're kind of changing the game here. I know that there were some scheduling conflicts, and that's what made this have to happen. But for a spectator, like I said, it was it was pretty enjoyable. And I think that if we get some weeknight lacrosse in the NLL, I don't know how much of it we're going to get in the future here just because of – uh, certain conflicts, scheduling conflicts for players uh, in particular, but I wouldn't be mad about it as a as a spectator of the game. Looking at the East final, you got uh, Buffalo Bandits who were red hot, Matt Vince playing out of his mind, but they're playing a Toronto Rock that's had their number this year. So how do you see this one breaking down? This is going to be quite the interesting game. I mean, Toronto hands Buffalo half of their losses on the season, which is Pretty crazy. One one of those games was one of the first of the season. So I don't know how cohesive either unit was there. But later on in the year, Brandon Slade scores that overtime winner for the Toronto Rock to come out on top of the Buffalo Bandits. They fought back. They clawed their way back into that game. And, and then they you know forced overtime and come out on top of it. So it's going to be a really exciting matchup. Toronto's one team that just has some sort of formula here against the Bandits. But with everyone healthy and ready to go for the Bandits, if this team's focused, I think they're going to be really hard to knock off. Look at Matt Vince coming into this game with a 8.85 save percentage. Nick Rose, a 7.14 save percentage after um, Monday Night Lacrosse. So, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting one. I think goaltending is going to be really important here, and both teams are, are going to need to really play a, a tight game. But... All right, let's you know, let's you know, get you off the fence here, Geik. Uh, make your pick in the West and the East for me, please. I, you know that I hate. I know, and that's why I'm asking you. You got two games. Make but, your pick. Here we go. Yeah, who you got? Who you got? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that. Okay, so I, I would I would have to say Buffalo and Calgary. 
Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go with the favorites. Yeah, no, I don't like. I I think that's. I I haven't quite decided yet, but I th- I think that's most likely going to be my picks too. So don't you know? Don't feel ashamed of your selections or anything, Tyson. Um, before we let you go, uh, Lacrosse Flash uh, has been great all season long, flourishing, if you will, Tyson. Uh, I know some awards are on the horizon coming out uh, from the gang at Lacrosse Flash. Are you gonna like put like a top ten fight video together or something? What what can we expect uh, as lacrosse fans from the Lacrosse Flash here coming down the stretch of the NLL season? Yeah, the Lacrosse Flash has been a big team effort all season long, and I want to thank all of the analysts and uh, the fans, I guess, who have kind of got involved with the project and really helped it to grow because I couldn't have done that without you guys and, and the fans who are paying attention to this content. So I think it's been awesome to have that kind of support. Um, we will be putting together our own set of awards that we've all voted on as our NLO insiders have all kind of got together and, and collaborated on that. So every analyst is going to have their chance to kind of announce a winner or two. And then I would like to put together top 10 videos, top set, top 10 saves, top 10 goals, uh, just content throughout the course of the summer leading up to things like the expansion draft and the entry draft, keeping fans entertained and just producing content that really showcases the personality of the game. I think that's something that the NLL has kind of been missing. We get the X's and O's a lot of the time. Uh, we don't see behind the scenes content. And, and that's something that I've tried to do with this. And I would like that to kind of continue. Um, it's something that I don't know if people are, are totally ready for yet, but I, I want to kind of push the limits with this project. So uh, I'm going to try to ramp it up throughout the summer too because that's a time when things kind of go quiet for the NLL. We need to be producing that content. And then player profiles and, and stuff like that leading up to the draft are going to be really important to uh, educating the fans about new players who are coming into the league and what that could mean for their respective teams that they may be cheering for. Well, uh, but I do have to Oh, sorry. Say oh, go that. ahead. I mean, the, the content this year has been phenomenal from you guys. Better than the league content, in my opinion. And, you know, from a fan's perspective where there's still a limited amount of, of contribution out there, this has been a godsend and you know us. If we had a vote, you're getting our Borelli this year. That uh, uh, that would be incredible. And, I mean, I would be in the company of some amazing analysts who have covered this game. And it would be, like I said, just an honor to be even in conversation for that award. I don't expect it. But if that's something that comes my way, it would be a true honor. And I would be extremely appreciative of that. Um, I, I just want to help grow this game and uh, get it the attention that it deserves. And I think we needed a different perspective on it. We needed that personality. It's something that we had some momentum with, with NLL Relax. And yeah. unfortunately, that was put to a bit of a halt. So we need to, to find a way to break through and reach fans in a different way. And um, I, I'd like to continue to do that. So I've got some plans for the future here. And, and as I mentioned earlier, too, I couldn't do this without the support of, you know, the big team guys out there, the uh, the analysts that I've been working with, and um, guys like Pat Gregoire and Austin Owens and um, Adam Levy as well, who have been awesome, and uh, Charlie Ragusa as well, who have all kind of chipped in and, and helped this 
project to grow. Well, you can check out Tyson's work on uh, NLL Productions every Wednesday. And Tyson, if they want to check out the Lacrosse Flash directly, uh, throw out the, the website, the social media, all that sort of stuff before I let you go. Yes, of course. It's easy to find Lacrosse Flash, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then you've got lacrosseflash.com if you want to head over to the website. You can check out the team who is working on the project and all the videos and some great articles that Austin Owens and Adam Levy have been working on as well. Well, hopefully those shirts are on the way as well, so you can put one of those on, Tyson. Keep up the great work uh, over there at the GOAT, too. I know you've been doing some pretty cool stuff uh, with your radio crew, and you're in for a heck of a summer over there on the island, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of opportunities uh, for more shirtless picks as well. No doubt. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the future. Maybe I'll just make all the picks shirtless, Jumbo. I don't know. <laughs> I hope to join you one day in that crusade, my friend. Uh, thanks for making yeah, time, man. I sponsored you for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for making time, Tyson. Thanks for having and, me, guys. Uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. That was Tyson Geik of the Lacrosse Flash. And uh, make sure you're checking out what's happening over there. It's some of the best stuff. Uh, as far as content goes in our great sport of box lacrosse, one more break to come, and then we'll make our picks for the NLL Division Finals. And we'll do it next right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice Certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Dylan Ward, goaltender for the Colorado Mammoth. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified, Extreme Threats Lacrosse Classified, our title sponsor here on Lax Class, but also a big thanks to our friends at Pure Vita Labs. I saw they just uh, they just signed on with the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. We haven't talked about that, Evan. They changed their name from the Brooklyn Redmen to now the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. I think they're going to have like some sort of vote to come up with a new name. I think it's very progressive and proactive. Uh, good on Brooklyn. I don't mind the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club. Yeah, I don't mind it either. Uh, they might just stay with that. And apparently the Redmen didn't actually come from the indigenous kind of I don't know what you'd call it, uh, stereotype maybe. I don't know if that's the right word or not. But that's not the actual reason that they were called the Redmen. They were called the Redmen because their jerseys were red back in the day, and they really they didn't have a team name, so they just were called Brooklyn Red, and then it turned to Redmen. And then the logo came a little bit later. But um, good on them uh, for changing that. Uh, they may struggle this year with all the uh, departures of some of their star players here to the WA, but um, we'll see how it goes for Brooklyn. Anyways, Pure Vital Labs, back to them. Informed choice, certified products, all-natural supplements, uh, best on the market, Del Bianco, Pace, Dixon, Crawford, Rogers, Marnie McCool, uh, you name it. Uh, all the top lacrosse players are using their products. Make sure you check them out at pvl.com Social media at Pure Vita Labs is where you can find them. Rob Keller, Rob Leone, uh, Ryan Keller, excuse me, Rob Leone, the good folks there at Pure Vita Labs. We're going to try and maybe come up with a little prize pack for PVL throughout the summertime as well. Um, 
Evan, just two games. There are two monster games, though, in the National Lacrosse League this week as the divisional finals are on deck. And by now you know it is Toronto at Buffalo on Saturday. It is Colorado at Calgary on Friday. So now, with that all being said, it's time for Who You Got, and it's presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, your complete source for boots. Check out their huge selection of cowboy and blundstone and CSA-approved boots. They ship Canada-wide, located in lovely Cloverdale, home of the rodeo since 1967, online at stampede.ca. Check them out, shopping online, shopping local. Evan, since you... Did worse than me last week. It is mm-hmm. your honor, my friend. All right. Well, and I'm loving the fact that once again the games are on opposite nights. There's no overlap. Yes. This, this is the way to go. Yes. All right. So we're starting Friday night at the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome, the flourishing Colorado Mammoth, mm. taking on the Calgary Roughnecks. Mm. We got. Hmm. Well. Uh, I am really intrigued with this matchup. You got a lot of a lot of Coquitlam, quite frankly, in this matchup. Uh, Pat Coyle coaching against Kurt Malowski is going to be a real intriguing matchup. Uh, I really like the goaltending duel that is going to happen. That's Orangeville versus Coquitlam and Dylan Ward against Christian Del Bianco. What's going to hamper Calgary a little bit? We're contrary to what Pat Coyle said that that they're going to have more momentum because they played more recent. I don't know if that's the case. I think this quick turnaround from Calgary might hurt a little bit, um, but they will be on their home floor, which is really going to help them a lot. This, I, I just, I, I feel weird about Colorado after them knocking off Saskatchewan. I feel like they kind of think anything is possible now, but I also think on Calgary's side of things, as you can tell, I'm stalling here trying to figure out who I want to pick here, Evan. I really think Calgary kind of thinks, all right, no Saskatchewan. The path is clear. This is our year. And for me, it all comes down, and, and I don't want to hang it all on one guy, but it's the Jesse King factor, man. I think Calgary has been a different team since the natural has entered that roughneck lineup, and they've just he's just made everybody around him better. And that's what Jesse King does. With that being said, Evan, give me the Calgary Roughnecks at home over the Colorado Mammoth, please. Maybe it's an easier pick for me than it is for you, and it is Calgary. They are the hot team right now. Colorado, every oh, the Stars really had to align for them to beat Saskatchewan. And I kind of equated in the NCAA basketball tournament, this is like a, a 13, or 13 beating a 4. Uh for them to pull it off again, I don't see it happening. Everything kind of has to go the right way. So, I mean, and Dylan Ward would have to have a save percentage somewhere in the 850s. So, give me the Roughnecks. Now we're off out east of Bandit Lounge. And as we said before, Toronto's had their number this year. Mm-hmm. So, Buffalo, Toronto, who you got? I, I just think Matt Vince is is on another level right now. And I don't... For Toronto, who really kind of likes to live and die with the outside shot, um, and it was it was falling for him down in Georgia last night, no question about it. I don't think you're going to beat Buffalo like that, and I don't know 
if they're going to be able to outscore the Bandits. Um, because you know the Bandits are going to put some goals in. And the way Matt Vince is going right now, like you're lucky to get eight. And you know Buffalo is going to get more than eight. So give me the Buffalo Bandits at home. I'm taking the two home teams this week, Evan. Uh, by the way, before you make your pick, we never really solidified our bet on air. And I think we're just going with something something simple here. We each get to pick the other's profile pick for, what is it, a week on Twitter? Is that what we're doing? That's what we're doing. Okay. So uh, the other person gets to pick the other person's profile pick for a week on Twitter. That's our bet here on Stampy Tax, who you got for the playoffs, um, which we'll take it right through. The NLL Cup. So I got the Bandits. Evan, uh, who you got? Who, are, who you got? Well, first, first off, I, I'm pretty sure I know who you're, what you're picking for my profile pick already. So, oh, you do? We'll see if I'm right. I, I don't. I don't know. If you want to tell me, I, I, I think you're going to pick my lookalike, which <laughs> makes me kind of swallow that. <laughs> I just thought of that Especially when you're considering. A, yeah. Now this might not make sense to to people in the U.S. I'm a NDP supporter, which is right. left wing, <laughs> and this is a conservative leader that I look like. Yeah. So for for people so that don't know, look up a look up a picture of Evan Schemenauer and then uh, Google Stephen Harper as well, and uh, you'll see some similarities there, no doubt. Um, and we, of course, we forgot to mention Tyson's lookalike, which <laughs> is an interesting one. Yeah, no, and I Ellen DeGeneres, yeah. right? It's, uh, <laughs> I found. I a picture of Tyson back when he was like he was trying to do like uh, he was trying to become like the next VJ on Much Music. He was probably about 17, 18 years old and and uh, <laughs> we were just having some fun posting up pictures of lookalikes beside each other and, and I found a picture of Ellen <laughs> I still got that sitting on my phone Okay, so my okay. Yeah, well, you can put that out but there anyways, for the people getting if you back want. to this game Yeah I'm going to surprise you. I'm taking the Toronto Rock. And there's, well, first off, I had to calculate how I'm going to catch up, and Uh this is probably my best opportunity. But the thing is, Toronto beat them twice, and the third game that they lost, they had this crazy trip from Georgia to Buffalo on a weekend, and they only scored six. Buffalo only scored eight. So Mm. for some reason, Toronto knows how to beat this team. Matt Vince, he gets on these hot streaks when he has a letdown game. I I think we might see that letdown game once here. Okay. So we'll have to see, but my gut is telling me Toronto's going to win this one. All right. So I'm taking the rock. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it could really, you know, make the final interesting or... Uh, it could spell your doom after the divisional finals here uh, heading into the NLL Cup. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. And and granted, Evan, as far as picks go this year, Calgary and Toronto, I think, have given me the most grief. Like, every time I pick against them, they win. And every time I pick for them, they lose. So uh, that's completely possible that that could happen. So I got Calgary and the Bandits. You got Calgary and the Rock. We'll see how it all shakes out on Stampede Tax, who you got uh, coming up Friday and Saturday. Just about out of time here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. I'm actually running on schedule this week, believe it or not. A few things I want to touch on before we go. Um, still awaiting some webcast deals on the Junior A season here in BC. I know I keep saying that week after week, but I really feel like we're close to being able to 
to let you know something. I'm hoping to hear something in the next couple of days in that regard. Uh, hopefully we can bring you some Junior A games from the West this season. And out in the West, Langley off to a nice 3-0 and start. Coquitlam 2-0 and uh, behind them. And then you look there in third place, and there are the Nanaimo Timbermen, who I think just won around two games of all last year, are 2-0 and to start the season. 10 for 13 on the power play to start the year are the Timbermen. Break up the team and over there in the Hub City. Dave Bremner's got his boys going in, and most, probably most alarmingly, this new Westminster Sandbillies are in the bottom of the basement here at 0-2 to start the year with losses to Delta and Burnaby. So uh, that's a little concerning there in New West and good for uh, for Russ Hurd and his Burnaby Lakers and uh, for Andy Ogilvie and, and Kyle Gandry out there in Delta getting an early win as well. As it's going to be a fun year uh, here in BC Junior A lacrosse. So uh, stay tuned for that. Lots of guys still missing at school as well. Um, some other news and notes here from the round the world of lacrosse. The FIL, the Federation of International Lacrosse, has changed their handle, Evan, to World Lacrosse uh, to encompass kind of the IOC. And as we get closer to the Olympics, uh, the FIL is changing to World Lacrosse. I really hope they figure out the situation with the Iroquois Nationals. Yeah, I mean, the name change, I believe, was a result of the Federation of International Luge uh, conflicting with the Olympics. But to be frankly honest, the, the FIL brand hadn't been around too long. I've got International Lacrosse Federation here sitting at home still. So um, not a surprise. It's a little simpler to understand. So I actually like it. Yeah. What's the Twitter handle? It's World Lacks Sport or something like that, right? I haven't even looked at it. Yeah, I think honest. I think it's World Lax Sport. You can look it up. Um, so it just you know all signs pointing towards uh, heading into the Olympics. I, I just really hope uh, they find a way to encompass uh, the Iroquois because for me, if they're if they're not there, it's it's just not right. The NC two A bracket is out. I. I still need to figure out a way. Last year, I used an app called Tunnel Bear that gave me a different IP address um, to watch ESPN down in the States. That They figured that out on my, on my new iPad, so I haven't really looked into finding a new way to watch ESPN from Canada, but if you're out there and you're listening and you have some ideas, make sure uh, shoot slide into my DMs and let me know at PXP for Sports if you got a way to watch ESPN from Canada. But the NC2A bracket is out. Number one, Penn State uh, with a couple of local products. Uh, Dylan Folds, a member of that team from Coquitlam, um, trying to win himself an NCAA tournament. Uh, that is always a fun time leading up to May long Memorial Day down there in the States. Uh, what a spectacle it is. WA season, Evan, just a, a couple of weeks away. More signings taking place. We saw a big uh, kind of splurge of signings uh, with Hossick and Shanks and Sorchetti. Uh Steve Fryer is now signed with the Langley Thunder. I'm hearing Kyle Rubish is on his way to New Westminster. Ryan Keenan, of course, to Maple Ridge. So lots of teams loading up for a run to the manor this year out in BC. And it really could be the biggest year in BC lacrosse history with the minor nationals, the Minto Cup, the Man Cup, and the World Championships all taking place in the lower mainland this year. It's just incredible. It's going to be an insane summer. Yeah. Um, 
What else and, do we get? And I have to think is like out east, like a lot of these teams are loaning players or yeah. selling their rights, and uh, it it's just going to make Peterborough's job easier. I mean, it's uh, you can almost I hate to say it, you can almost slot them into the Man Cup final, in my opinion. Well, yeah, we'll see how Oakville plays out, but uh, yeah, Peterborough is definitely going to be in the mix, and you can never count out Six Nations either, man. Like they're just they're always going to be good. So we'll see. A couple other things before we let you go here quickly. Uh, a lot of conjecture some rumors circulating around uh vegas and the mgm group there bill foley and company uh with the golden knights and mgm putting in an application for expansion with the national cross league i have yet to confirm this with anybody uh, but it's starting to kind of circulate around through the internet uh, rod peterson was kind of the first guy to break this and some other some other outlets have picked this up i don't know how much truth there is to it or what it even really means at this point it's all kind of rumors but uh with all that being said evan i'd really yeah. love to see a team in vegas as i know you would too oh yeah i mean i'm a part-time vegas resident throughout the year and uh, you know i think the people of las vegas would eat this up. And the reason I say that is, if you see how crazy they've gone over the Vegas Golden Knights in person, it's even bigger than what it even looks like on TV. And it's mostly locals in that rink. The difficulty is that Vegas has a fairly low average income. um, And a lot of people can't afford to go to Golden Knights games. And that's why you see 1,500 people plus at the practice facility watching them practice. Because they want to have something to do, uh, you know, some tie to the team. And they, when you listen to the crowd in there, they, they love the hitting aspect of hockey. So if they love the hitting aspect of hockey, they're going to, you know, crawl for lacrosse. The difficulty that remains, and if Bill Foley can figure this out, fabulous. But if you looked at the schedule this past year between December and December 1st and April 20th, there were only nine slots open on Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah. So you'd have to schedule this thing perfect. And then for those that uh, don't understand Vegas, Friday night and Saturday night are your big nights because that's when the tourists are there. If you put something sa- Sunday afternoon, nobody attends. And I get these free tickets to shows all the time. The night I get the best free tickets is Sunday because nobody's there. So you right. want to avoid the Sundays altogether. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's just, like I said, it's uh, all speculation right now. And I and I think I really, I really think the next wave of expansion. You're going to see Western teams come in, no question. If I had to put some money down in Vegas uh, on who those teams would be, I would probably put San Francisco and Nashville at the top of the list as far as the two next expansion teams to come in but we'll all just have to wait and see and we should get some announcements coming in that regard probably middle of summer late summer something like that right around before the expansion draft i would think uh last thing i want to mention here on the cross classified and it's uh something i i never want to have to mention and that's uh the loss of a life and and unfortunately it's um somebody that I've known since uh, he was just a little baby, and it's the son of a former Sam Billy teammate and, and goaltender of mine, and, and Rick Mang, and his son Riley, um, who who lost his life uh, suddenly and, and tragically uh, three or four days ago. And and I know the lacrosse community has, has reached out to Rick, who's who's doing as well as can be expected, and and just you know the loss of a child, Evan. I can't ever. 
imagine what kind of pain that must be and and i don't ever want to have to experience something like that rick's a very strong man and and he's got a, a good support system around him and and uh he's going to get through this with the help of of people like uh myself and, and his friends and in the lacrosse community but uh, i just want to give my my thoughts and my my prayers and condolences to to star and, and rick and the entire uh family there because that is that is a tragedy that nobody should ever have to experience and uh my just my heart goes out to him man yeah you, i could only imagine if losing one of my kids and it's, it's yeah it's a thought i don't even want to fathom well we're all thinking about you rick mang and um if you want to reach out to rick he's on facebook and i'm sure he'd uh love to hear you and, and just uh with that being said i know i'm using that being said a lot here today for some reason but anyways with that being said his uh celebration of life will take place uh saturday may 11th at the coquitlam sports and leisure center the palace on poirier there in room number three so if you knew Riley, uh, or if you know Rick, and you want to come pay respects, Saturday, May 11th, 2 to 4, room 3, uh, at the Coquitlam Rec Center. All right, that's going to do it here for another week. If you ever need to get a hold of me for whatever reason, uh, just want to talk, you got any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, uh, you can find me at pxp, the number 4, sports at gmail.com that is my email pxp for sports is my twitter handle my instagram my snapchat my skype you name it uh if you ever need to get a hold of me pxp for sports don't forget evan he is at shem lax the show is at lax class subscribe to that podcast folks uh, that way you never have to worry about it. it gets delivered right to your phone and you never miss an episode google play itunes soundcloud stitcher spotify wherever you find your podcast you will find lacrosse classified courtesy of lacrosse all-stars big thanks to pat coyle and to tyson geik for coming on the program and of course to you the loyal listener Really appreciate you checking out Lacrosse Classified, presented by Extreme Threads every single Tuesday. For Evan Shevenauer, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, thanks for listening to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network.